welcome to the Youth Development Professionals Guidebook. I'm your host, Michael Garcia. And I'm your co-host, Al Ferreira. Thanks for joining us. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Thanks for joining us. I'm very excited to have Bria Cartwright here. Uh, hi, Bria. How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I am living the dream as always. Uh, Bria, why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us a little bit about YMCA Camp Coleman. Awesome. Um, yeah, so I'm the executive director up here at Camp Coleman, which is part of the YMCA of Greater Seattle. We are located on the Key Peninsula, so it's kind of west of Tacoma, um, and we're right on the Puget Sound. So we have a gorgeous lagoon out in front of camp, and then the road to camp divides the lagoon from the Puget Sound. So we have we have both here uh, at camp and a gorgeous view of the Olympic Mountains. Um, and it's just beautiful. Camp Coleman typically runs um, from early spring, late winter, early spring with outdoor ed. And then we have a full summer camp program that's typically nine or 10 weeks um, and then another fall season uh, for outdoor ed. So I've been here uh, a little over a year. Prior to this, I was down at the YMC the East Bay at uh, three camps down there, Camp Arroyo, Camp Ravencliff, and Camp Loma Mar. So I've been doing the camp thing for about 25 years, but uh, a Y kid my whole life. So loving it up here in Washington. It's just everywhere you go, it's just pretty. All the time I'm driving and I'm like, oh, look, it's so pretty. So it's great. That's great. Al and I are both Y kids as well. So long, long time supporter of the Y world. Uh, so, you know, where we are right now, talk to us a little bit about your camp and and your plans and progression i know you're getting into virtual camp and talk to us a little bit about why you chose to go that route and how it's kind of formulating for you well i think when you know when all this started and suddenly schools were closing and wise were closing and um i think it was really shocking for us and for people and we wanted to get out there uh and try to provide some sort of connection to our campers and our camp families and uh, so we said, let's try some virtual stuff. And we started with a virtual campfire and then launched into more of an organized virtual camp session. So we've, we are in our fourth camp session, so to speak. Um, and it's been an interesting experience. We've uh, gone from being camp people and youth development people to being web designers and uh, social media content managers. And I have learned so much, talk about your steep learning curve about like, oh, here's how to do Facebook and Zoom all together and talk to the children and all the things. And how can we do this safely, right? We have all these rules around child abuse prevention and child safety uh, at our camps. Like what's that look like when we go online? And so. Um, you know, it's just interesting to, to run into those kind of questions. So, you know, we, uh, I remember our first virtual campfire actually talked to a, a colleague who had already done one. And one of the best pieces of advice he gave me was, you know, just be honest and let people know, like, we're just figuring this out. And so we're, we're very real when we're doing those. Um, we let people know, like, we're figuring out the tech. We're not experts at this. Um, and I think that's really good modeling for kids, right? It's what we teach the kids. Like, it's okay to make mistakes and figure stuff out and be curious. Um, and so it's just a whole different way for us to model that and do that. So this will probably be our last session, uh, a virtual camp for the spring season. Um, and then depending what happens in summer, um, we'll decide whether or not there needs to be some more virtual content in the summertime. Wow. That's, that sounds great. So talk to us, what are you, what are you doing? What are some, how many people are coming to your virtual camps on average? What do you, what are some activities that you're, you've chosen to do for this spring, uh, virtual camp? So um, when we first started the first session, we were trying to really give the feel for like a day and a week at camp. So we would 
early in the morning, uh, make a post that was like, you know, it's time to wake up and clean your cabin because that's what we do in the morning after breakfast um, and encourage kids to do some cleanup stuff at home. And then at 10 o'clock, we'd post an activity. So it might be a puzzle. It might be a, here's how to do a craft at home, it might be scavenger hunt, something like that. Um, and then again, at noon, we'd post typically something that they could maybe do um, after lunch. We, we have turtle time, right? It's kind of rest period. Everybody calls it a different thing. We call it turtle time here. I don't know why, but I think I it's that. adorable. I think it's adorable. Yeah, I'm like, is it because we lay on our backs with our feet up in the air? I don't know. Um, <laughs> so we'll give them some sort of like, maybe it's a caption this activity or one time we posted like, get on a, a Zoom call with a friend and have lunch with a friend. Um, then we'll post for turtle time and then we'd post an afternoon activity um, at dinner, we post uh, a reminder to do gratitudes at dinner. We like to go around the table and share something we're grateful for and remind the kids about kitchen party, which is our everybody pitches in and helps clean up. Um, and then there'd be, we'd post a values session, which is how we end our days at camp. Um, so some sort of activity the family could do together um, that's values-based and reflection-based. Um, in the beginning, we had, you know, we had a few viewers, not as much um, like in the moment, but they would come along afterwards. Um, we actually think we might have shot ourselves in the foot with algorithms um, and that posting so much might have been getting our stuff seen a lot less um, because we stopped getting really sort of any sort of engagements by the second week. So we took a break week to reevaluate and, and take a look at what was working, what wasn't. And so for session three and session four that we're in now, we're only posting typically twice a day. So the 10 o'clock activity, the three o'clock activity. Um, we post a schedule at the beginning of the week. We were also posting a daily schedule. So that's kind of how we like to roll out camp. We like it to be a mystery. What's happening tomorrow? Um, but obviously that was just a lot of posting. So on Sunday night, we post the schedule for the week and it'll tell folks what the activities are for that week. And then they know to get to hop on at 10 and then at three. Um, Typically Tuesday and Thursday, our three o'clock thing is something live. So on Tuesdays, we've been doing an outdoor ed lesson. Um, and that's actually getting uh, a lot of views and a lot of participation. We share that with our schools. And we had a bunch of schools that were supposed to be out here at Camp Coleman this spring. And it's something kids look forward to, right? Like when I get to fifth grade, I get to go to camp or fourth grade or you know whatever grade it is. Um, and they just don't have that experience. And we were hearing from teachers, you know, how sad they were. and could we bring it to them? And so these lessons, like we've done a squid dissection and a beach walk and things that kids would have done while they were here. Um, and those are pretty popular. Uh, and then on the Thursday, that's typically been either a virtual campfire or what we call our gooey gala. So gooey ducks are a big thing out here. It's like a disgusting looking clam that lives under the surface. Um, but apparently they're tasty. I'm a picky eater, so I, I'll probably never know. But uh, we have our gooey gala, which is our camp dance. Um, and so, <laughs> We've done one of those, uh, and at first we thought like, oh, we can't use music. We usually use like pop music. And so we had to go find like copyright free music, which is so great to dance to, uh, not at all. Uh, and so we stumbled our way through that. And I've recently found out from ACA that we're able to um, use music now for virtual things. So we're doing Gooey Gala this week again, and we'll get to use our normal music. So that's kind of what we've been doing. Um, I feel like the viewers aren't as much as we would have thought initially. I think that like our first virtual campfire, we had over 50 people. And so we were like, oh, people want this. But that was before kind of the online learning really launched for schools. It was before the decision that schools up here weren't going to reopen and that everybody had to shift. Um, 
And so it's why we're thinking like we probably will pull off the virtual stuff until um, after schools are out and then we'll evaluate what's going on and what folks need uh, at that point. You talked a little bit about uh, earlier about having to be a web designer and, and become an expert in Zoom and algorithms and uh, all those different things that uh, have suddenly popped up into a camp director's life. Uh, what, what are you learning about yourself that you didn't expect as a result of this? <laughs> um, I'm learning that sometimes I have to wait until the idea formulates in my head. We kind of, we are pushing early, uh, you know, let's go virtual, let's do something. And I just couldn't get my head wrapped around it. And then a few, like maybe a week later, I went to bed and suddenly like it just all formulated in my head. I was like, we're going to do this. It can look like a session, this and that. And so that was fascinating and somewhat frustrating. I'm more used to being able to, you know, figure it out on the spot and keep moving. Um, but, you know, I think we're in a very different world right now, you know, it's, and it's hard to know how much what's going on is affecting all of us individually. And so, you know, we see, we see staff and ourselves struggle with, uh, you know, we don't really know what's happening and with our jobs and with our camps and things like that. And so, it makes sense that sometimes there's a bit of a delay to get everything firing, I think, the way um, we're used to in our more normal days. Um, and so, yeah, I think um, I've learned how important I think camp is in the world. Like, I think I already knew that, but I feel like this has highlighted it um, and how much hopefully it's prepared myself and our kids um, for dealing with things like this. You know, one of the big you know, it's, it's a Brandoinism, right? But um, one of the big uh, taglines we always say is, you know, we can do hard things. Uh, and, you know, and we've often joked about like, right, we know it, we don't need to keep proving it. And now, you know, COVID came along. It's like, we can do hard things. Unfortunately, like we know it and we know we can do this. So yeah, it's, you know, I think reinforce some of that. I, I in, in doing research in your background um, uh, prior to the, um, uh, Prior to today, uh, one of the things I looked at is the C Camp Coleman website. And, you know, it talks about that your program is designed to allow each camper to have a safe and fun experience in a beautiful, natural setting. So virtual is anything but natural. Um, how do you reconcile that? What, what are you doing that uh, will bring that back to what your stated purpose is at camp? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I think it's it's probably part of why we haven't seen the kind of engagement that we thought we might, right? Uh, we're like, we're out there online. Why, you know, why aren't the people, you know, watching? But I think people come to us for that natural peace uh, and that's what they expect and, and deserve. And that's what we really want for them. Um, I think, you know, I think it's also telling that our outdoor ed lesson is, uh, tends to be one of our more viewed things. And so I think if we have to stay online, we can do more things like that. Um, I think, you know, we're still hopeful that we're going to have some form of summer camp this summer. Maybe it's smaller, maybe it's, you know, in a different sort of setting. Maybe it's that we're not eating in the dining hall, we're eating outside. You know, we're looking at all these different things to try to get folks here. But in a worst case scenario, if, if we couldn't, then maybe, you know, we have to look at ways to get out to the people or get resources out to the people. Um, we actually surveyed our parents for um, both of the Seattle camps uh, and Bold and Gold, which is our um, outdoor um, expedition program. 
Um, and we heard loud and clear that, you know, they actually aren't looking to us for online things. They, they would prefer things to be mailed to them. So it might be that we would uh, come up with some sort of kit or something that we could send home that's like a, you know, explore your local park um, with this kit or something like that. I think, again, it's, it's causing us to be extremely creative and look at what we do very differently. You know, we've, I, I laugh about how often we use the word pivot, um, but we have pivoted uh, as people and as organizations, you know, our, our organization, OMC of Greater Seattle, uh, blew me away with how quickly we turned and shifted. And, you know, we have a number of membership branches and those all closed, obviously. And we turned right around and started providing childcare for first responders. We started providing more meals. We already do some uh, hunger initiative programming, but we're doing meals out of the camp kitchen and our facilities team drives them down to Seattle uh, for families in need and things like that. So I know that's sort of off topic from the nature thing, but it's just this example of how we have to look at things differently uh, and how do we adjust. We are really creative, resourceful people. And so um, how do we continue to serve our community? That's what the why is all about, right? So how do we, we have to not assume we know what the community needs. And it might mean more conversations with parents as we get decisions made, um, you know, and, and how do we reach out to them and talk about those decisions and then talk about how can we provide that kind of support and resource for them that they look to camp for. As you and some of our listeners may know, I worked for the YMCA for over three decades, and you know we always looked in the in the Y world, so to speak, to Seattle as being the always at the forefront of leadership in being innovative in so many different things. Uh, and you as well, Bria, you've been at the forefront of leadership through through the Y, through Christian leadership conferences, through so many different areas and venues. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I know that uh, Camp Coleman's known for their uh, Leadership Development Institute. You know, that's one of the big uh, pieces. So what are you thinking of adding to your leadership role as a, as a training and development person that's different just from a few short months ago to pass on to the next generation of leaders? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, it's been a real it's taken a real shift for me when I when I came to Coleman, um, you know, last year we made a lot of changes to the program. There were um, there was some work we wanted to do here in terms of taking the program up to the next level. It's a great camp with a strong history and a strong program, and um, and we really wanted to start moving it to the next level. Same with the team leadership program, which we had completely revamped to roll out this year um, in a new and and more even more intentional way. Um, and so you know, I think. The questions are, that question I think still sits with me. I haven't figured it out yet because I feel like we're still in the middle of this, right? Like we're not even past it. We're used to working with kids and, and staff and talking about like trauma-informed care and, you know, post-trauma. Like we're in the middle of a trauma still. And I don't know, and that's kind of like maybe the rally cry I've been, you know, banging my drum on is like, we don't know what the impact's going to be on ourselves, on our kids, on our staff. Um, my husband's a flight attendant and I was sharing a story of, uh, and he's not currently flying, but um, another flight attendant was sharing a story about how she was on a plane. This was like a couple weeks ago, uh, stopped, you know, to talk to a parent and child as they do about for the kid to understand about how to do the, um, the oxygen mask. And the kid, you know, either answered her question correctly or showed her the right thing or whatever. And she high-fived him and felt a look of death from the parent. And, 
the flight attendant is sharing the story in tears. You know, these things that we took for granted and that are normal suddenly become terrifying. And how do we reconcile that with our staff? How are our staff going to handle the first time a kid, you know, throws up on them or sneezes on them or something, you know, like that takes on, these are all things we're just used to in camp, right? Like kid, what's a bed? We deal with that. Like it's not a thing. And now suddenly all these things take on this whole different weight. And, um, and so I think, you know, what I'm trying to figure out is how do I set up my staff and, and help support them in a way, um, that, you know, helps them in these moments and, and how do we as an organization, uh, and as a movement really camping, uh, how do we need to do things differently to keep things safe? Um, you know, we're not like a friend posted recently, like, what's it going to be like now? If somebody drops something, do we not pick it up for them? Like, that's just not who we are as humans. Um, and how do we, how do we adjust? Uh, and I wish I had an answer for you, but I, you know, I think, I think it's the million dollar question once we figure out what's happening this summer. And I think, you know, that's part of it too, is it's, it's hard to shift into where do we go next when we're still figuring out like what's our plan for the summer and we're close. We, you know, we hope to have some decisions made within the next uh, week or two, but um, yeah, I wish I had a better answer for you, but. Those are no, my random not knowing is uh, not knowing is is part of uh, as as you say is how we have to pivot in so many ways. Uh, back in the uh, early '90s, uh, the camp I was with, we were the home for uh, Camp Laurel, which was one of the first camps for uh, HIV/AIDS mm. uh, youth. And I happened to be at the pool uh, one afternoon, and um, it you know it we didn't you know again it's like '93 '94. We didn't know anything really about all the science behind what's going on. And a kid got a bloody nose in the pool and everybody froze. We didn't know what to do. And it was just that moment, uh, you know, kind of like this moment. We're not sure how, uh, what, what was it? We don't know what impact will be, uh, will be uh, as, as you've said just a few minutes ago. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think as we, what hit me really, Bria, was those kids want that touch. They want that high five. They want that pat on the head. They want a hug from their favorite counselor that they've had for three years who's returning. And teaching our staff to stop those from those actions from happening for the health and safety of everybody is going to be a big challenge. And I don't know anybody who knows how that's going to work and we're not just talking camp we're talking childcare with preschoolers and we're talking you know even college age you know even our staff staff that we build relationships with over the past certain amount of years you know we're we're in local parentis we're in place of their parents for the summer and they they grow that and they want to want to be connected and physical contact is going to be something that every youth development program is going to have to learn to adapt, not stop, but adapt and see what's different. So uh, th thanks, Bria. We're going to take a quick commercial break right now, and we'll be back right after this. If you're interested in having your voice heard on this podcast, go to youthdevelopmentpro.com and send us an email. Welcome back. We're here with Bria Cartwright. Uh, Bria, one of my favorite quotes from Joseph Campbell uh, talks about, uh, find a place inside where there's joy and the joy will burn out the pain. 
Um, I, you know, and I relate this to camp because so many children find their joy in camp and, and it's a refuge from their painful lives. Uh, so as, as you think about that creativity and flexibility that you need to be and have as a camp director, uh, you know, how do we reconcile that in a virtual camp world? Yeah, I think, um, you know, you mentioned flexibility. I think camp people are by nature flexible and creative and, uh, and willing to try new things and, uh, and have adventures, right? It's what we're all about. And now this situation calls on us to do that maybe tenfold, um, to be creative, to be flexible, uh, I think also to be uh, empathetic and understand, you know, I've worked really hard getting through this personally, like it's, it's scary. And, uh, you know, I have a 94 year old dad and I'm like, dad, you can't go to the grocery store. Uh, Cause you know, it'll, it'll scare me. And um, you know, and so I think about like, how do we shift? How do we address that? that reality for kids, like how much joy have they been able to have? What must it be like to be a child and be told suddenly, starting tomorrow, you can't go to school anymore? Like, you know, they probably can't voice it, um, but we know how intuitive kids are, right? They pick up on everything. Um, and so what's that, what's that doing for them internally and how can we as camp professionals and youth development professionals who, who are used to being able to uh, address kids' individual needs and work with them and meet them where they are. Um, I think we've got to shift our expectations of where they are and shift our expectations of, of who we are in this and who we can be for them. Um, I think uh, they're, you know, we're, it sounds like, it seems like we're just now starting to talk about like the grief that there, this is a grieving process. The kids lost their, um, you know, their last bit of school time. Some of our staff coming to us missed out on graduation, right? A lot of times we get um, young adults who've just graduated high school or maybe just graduated college um, or or their first year of college like this is how it ended and what's that like and what's that impact and so I think for us um, being uh, being really flexible and not having set expectations um, and I think for ourselves as well uh, you know I think I've talked about how you know, I'm used to having all the answers and, and I don't, and I'm so grateful for these opportunities to talk with other camp professionals. There's a number of different, um, you know, conference calls I, I join in on because in sharing and collaborating, hopefully we figure out what the options are and what's going to work best for, for our camp and our communities. And I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to, it's, it's going to have to look really different, I think, whatever it looks like this summer. Even if we were to have relatively normal summer camp and kids were to come and we went about our day, it would be different because we've all been through this thing and we haven't really had time to process it. That's a big part of camp too, right? We, at the end of the day, we reflect. We have our value sessions. At my other camps, it was reflections. Some camps call it Vesper. Some sort of something where you take a little bit of time at the end of the day and reflect back, you know, it might be your rose and your thorn in your bud, or it might be, you know, your favorite moment or, you know, and maybe our role is to help the kids in that, you know, to, to sit down with them or to be online with them. And maybe it's not virtual campfire. Maybe it's virtual value sessions, you know, that we're going to meet up and, you know, and talk and give kids the opportunity to have conversation. We just recently, um, 
the Camping and Outdoor Leadership team at Seattle put together a teen forum online on Zoom um, and brought together teams from a few of our programs, our Environmental Service Corps um, and our team leadership programs. Um, you know, and we had a good, uh, a good, I don't really even know the number, but I want to say like around 20 or so teens show up and, you know, and they've been through this and they also still have concerns around things like the environment and social justice, some of which has been really highlighted in all this. And so like also looking at our team leaders and um, how can we continue to empower and support them um, as they've witnessed this and, and learned things as well. So did I answer your question? I feel like I may have. You did. You did. Yeah. Thank you. I uh, just this morning, I saw a, a, a great Simon Sinek quote, um, it's better to disappoint with the truth than to um, appease with a lie. Earlier, you talked about just finding that honesty moment. So I, I, I'm really grateful that uh, you're being honest and uh, forthright with what you're going through. Um, uh, so what are you doing to, uh, you know, you talked about uh, a little bit about the personal level of this your dad and, and what are you doing to, to fill your own bucket? How, how are you getting, uh, you know, um, the energy to, to continue to lead in a time that is so chaotic? I think that's really important. And I think, um, you know, here at camp, I'm in my office today, but most of the time I'm at home, we have a few staff who come in and do the uh, meal programs like I talked about, and I want to respect the governor's orders. I also want to give staff the space and understand like it might not always feel safe coming into work in this day and age when most people have been ordered to stay home, but they're considered essential workers. Some keep camp running, some are working in the kitchen, um, so I give them their space. Um, so I'm working from home like a lot of folks right now, um, but you know, I get up in the morning and I have a workout before I get started because you know, then I can just you know. I can do that first, have my shower, start my day. Um, I work a pretty normal day, like, you know, a nine to four-ish. Um, and then I try to like end my day at four, 4.30 or so because these days are, I feel like more long and more intense than a normal day at the office. Um, you know, I'm in these constant meetings, my brain is just constantly going, I get to Friday and like the first week I was like, wow, I don't understand how I'm so tired. <laughs> All I'm doing is sitting here at home. To be honest, you know, sometimes I'm in my jammy pants all day long, um, you know, because you only see the top half of me on a Zoom call and jammy pants are super comfortable. I learned that at camp. Um, and so, uh, but, but it's just this constant thinking and processing and trying to figure stuff out, which is exhausting. So then when I end my day, my husband and my dog and I take a walk through the woods because I'm really lucky to have, you know, the woods as my backyard. Um, and then on the weekends, I try to not work. You know, I, I try to work to a normal schedule. And there's some guilt with that because there are definitely emails that come through after hours and on the weekends. But I know that we've got to take care of our mental health. We've got, um, we've got a long stretch. Whatever happens this summer, um, it will be hard work and there will be a lot to manage and process and, um, and hopefully lead and, and hopefully be surrounded by children and all those things. Uh, and we need to have that energy for them um, that we would always have and maybe more so. And so that, um, I think that mental health and self-care piece is really important. Um, I've worked hard to not put extra pressure on myself or my staff. There's some great articles out there about how, you know, in a situation like this, we shouldn't pressure ourselves to be extra productive because it's not necessarily um, real. Um, and 
you know, so I try to leave space for my staff to do what they need to do um, and, and take that time. And then, you know, on the weekends, we've, you know, we've really enjoyed, I, I feel like I'm hanging out with people more maybe than I do uh, normally because we're able to do it over the Zoom, right? And we're able to see each other and hang out and socialize and those sorts of things. And, um, and we do that every weekend. We have at least a couple of meetups with friends um, from all over the place. Uh, and, you know, we're able to use this technology to, um, keep those connections and, and it becomes something we all look forward to. And I think, um, you know, so that's for me, like that's important to keep those personal connections and to keep that balance so that I will have this energy throughout, um, however long this lasts. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. That's awesome. Uh, I love that you're thinking about everything, including mental health and how everything's processing. Talk to us a little bit about Bria in six months from now you have your crystal ball out you can rub it get ready and what would you tell Bria now so you're six months ahead looking back over the last six months what do you think you're going to tell yourself and to get through these next times um I think I'm going to tell myself you did your best you're going to do your best uh you know, if this is me tra like traveling back in time to tell myself this now, um, you know, you're going to do your best and it's going to be okay. You're going to get through it. Uh, it's going to be hard and there will be moments of tremendous joy and gratitude. I know like it is the nature of this work that we do. And so, um, so I would remind myself to celebrate those moments. I'm a big fan of gratitude uh, and I know that it helps keep me focused on the positive uh, and especially in a time like this that is sometimes really overwhelming. Um, I think I will also tell myself that, um, remember to take time to grieve. We are gonna lose some piece of this summer. You know, what that looks like yet is still unknown. And it was only, you know, the other day that I saw a camp director um, doing a live video, very heartfelt, very raw, very honest, saying his camp was closing and, and I just cried, you know, and like there, this, maybe today, yes, today, I think there are webinars on um, how to help kids with the grief of losing summer, and the first one, like, booked, like, booked out, and, and so they had to add a second one, like, that's real, and so there, I, I will have to find time, and I know this, to acknowledge that, and, and, and give that its due process, so that then I can continue to pick up and move on, and um, and go forward. So I'll tell myself, you know, celebrate the joy, be okay with the, the sadness, um, and, and connect with your people, the people that um, fill your heart and support you. And, um, you know, I think we all, as youth development professionals, have our cheerleaders, and like, we need those people right now, and we need to be those for the people that we are that for. Um, and also, we need to listen and hear, and like, let there be space for people to share their fears um, and their concerns and their like frustrations. Um, it can't all be about, you know, it's, un it's unrealistic to say like, we can do this, yay, rah, 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 be the cheerleaders um, without also leaving space for like, what's keeping you up at night? Um, what's, you know, what's your biggest fear? What's your biggest concern? You have a tremendous amount of, of personal insight and I'm really appreciative of that. Um, uh, you're, you're absolutely right. It's, it's, a, it is a grieving process. Uh, I feel like as we lose things, um, we're gonna, uh, you know, cry through that. And I, I, I have to, I have to say, I think that when the, when 
when I'm at one of the camps that I work with uh, and I see that first group of kids coming into camp, I think I'm going to cry through that uh, yeah. because it'll just be such an emotional, impactful moment. Um, so, so, you know, it, 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 it's such a difficult uh, portion of, of, of all we do and see. Um, you, you've talked just a little bit about your staff that's there. Uh, what, what are they doing? How are they stepping up into these roles other than, you know, figuring out all the, the virtual technical aspects of, of the world that you talked about earlier? Yeah, um, we've been really fortunate that we were able to keep a number of our um, our full-time year-round staff here at Camp Coleman. We did um, obviously let our put our uh, seasonal uh, outdoor ed staff um, on standby. Um, so uh, I mentioned the kitchen. Uh, so our food services director and two of her staff um, are on duty, and they are making meals every every weekday. So they've provided over five thousand meals since this began. Uh, out to families in Seattle, and we are doing that at least through the end of May. Um, and then our facilities team, they provide the transportation of those meals, and then they're here keeping camp running, um, you know, and taking advantage of, you could get a lot done at camp when there aren't people around. So, <laughs> so they're getting a lot of projects done. Um, there has to be somebody here to make sure the systems are all still running, the water is still good. There's a bunch of us that live here. So, um, you know, we always need a couple of facility folks around. So they're doing that, and they've been just, just fantastic. They just come in every day, do their thing. Um, and, you know, and we check in pretty regularly. So, um, and then we have our um, teen leadership director, our summer camp director, and our outdoor ed director, the other three staff who are on. So outdoor ed director is um, working on fall, you know, our, you know, trying to be in touch with schools. You know, she had to help the schools you know, figure out in the spring, it was before schools were closed, like everything was very up in the air. Are they coming or they're not coming? So, um, you know, it's really called on her to be flexible and patient and understanding, which she is. So that's not a problem. But now it's looking to fall. And do we think schools are really going to come? And if not, what can we do? You know, can we can we go to them? Can we come up with virtual? So she's both sort of looking at those different scenarios and also interviewing and hiring staff for the fall, because that's what we do right now. Um, and then our summer camp director um, has taken the lead on a lot of the virtual stuff. Um, he also, up until just recently, um, was, was still moving forward with hiring. We're sort of holding right now. We have a good number of staff hired um, for the summer, and so um, we're holding until some other decisions get made to see if we're moving forward with that um, and continuing to do that. And then he's just planning for the different sorts of scenarios that um, we're considering for the summer. And our teen leadership directors had the opportunity to work on the teen manual, um, look at how could we uh, still do teen leadership programs in some of the different scenarios we're considering for the summer, um, and you know what might that look like, and how could we adjust, and if we're going to have a smaller capacity, could we you know adjust our sessions to still get all those kids in and those sorts of things. So um, it's a lot of you know it's interesting because I, I want. We want to be planning for scenarios, but I also don't want to spend a bunch of time on like busy work, right? Of like, I did all this work to plan this and now we're shifting this way. Um, so trying to find that balance. And, there's, there's a great book that uh, what, one of my mentors, John Maxwell wrote just a couple of years ago called Leadership. And it, it, you know, it's, it's like so timely in so many different ways. You've talked about shifting the workload, shifting your attitude, shifting so many different parts of, of what we do. Um, so I do appreciate that uh, in so many ways. 
Yeah, it's been it's been great having you on, Bria. So as we wrap up today, why don't you tell people how to get a hold of you and the best way to contact you if they have questions? Um, sure. Yes, you can. Uh, you can reach me at my work email is bcartwright at seattleymca.org. So it's B-C-A-R-T. W-R-I-G-H-T at seattleymca.org. Um, and feel free to call me. I love talking to people on the phone. Uh, my phone number, my direct line is 206-587-6123. And of course, I'm on all the social medias, so you can find me there. Uh, a lot of times uh, you have to find me under Disney. That's my camp name. Um, and it's often spelled with two Zs because you can't do anything online with the actual spelling of Disney. Yeah, copyright infringements on that one, so. <laughs> yeah. Bria, thank you so much for joining Al and I. We're going to take another quick commercial break and we'll be right back. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Y'all take care. Thanks to our friends at Expert Online Training for supporting the Youth Development Professional Guidebook podcast. Al, you used Expert Online Training at your summer camp. I did, actually. I used them for several seasons at the last camp that I was the executive director. When we were trying to decide the items that we would present during our staff orientation week, there were so many things that we left out. And when expert online training came along, it was like, oh, we can do this ahead of camp. And then people come in and they're already prepared. We even added on to our, our support staff, our directing team, components so that we'd all be on the same page prior to doing our support staff training as well. It just really made a huge difference. And Expert Online Training has some great folks who present uh, the kind of people that you'd want to see at conferences or that you do make time to see at the different conferences throughout the year. So if you're interested in looking for the highest quality online training for your youth programs, go to expertonlinetraining.com and check them out. Thanks again for all their support. Welcome back. Uh, Bria was amazing, and I really enjoyed having a great conversation with her. Al, tell us what you learned today. Uh, you know, it, it, it's amazing because, uh, you know, within everything that she talked about, there was just an honesty and truth, and she, she, she would anchor herself on those types of things over and over again. Um, you know, John Maxwell says, trust is the foundation of leadership. It's the law of sol solid ground. And, uh, you know, building trust really requires competence, connection, and character. And that's what I felt Bria just has exuded over and over today um, and uh, throughout her career in, uh, in camping. Yeah, I think it, that was that you hit the nail on the head with that one. She was just very open and vulnerable to us. I love that, you know she's thinking about a virtual values or Vespers or whoever you call it at your camp program for her kids to wrap up. That's something that we have expertise in and we can do not just in the summer, but all the time and, and help parents teach them how to debrief and, and connect with their kids and gooey duck. I've actually had gooey duck. It tastes pretty good. You should try it. It is a weird, weird, crustacean i don't even know what you'd call it but it's super weird and kind of gross but i did have it once and uh it was pretty good so give your gooey duck a try thanks for listening to us and we will see you next time bye-bye